Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Great to be with you. That's pretty good. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio, rocking and rolling. Yeah. Fall, fall is here. Here it is. You know, the weather's great. And what I tell people all the time that aren't from here, you know, because if you go up to like North Carolina, Ohio, whatever, like the mountains, uh, you know, north, beautiful trees change colors. You get some orange and I'm wearing a fall color today. You sure are. Did you notice? Yeah. You look like a thin pumpkin. Thank you. That's what I said. Yeah. I would just look like a pumpkin in that. Other but than you a, look like a thin pumpkin. Other than a... What a round pumpkin, a fat yeah. pumpkin. Anyway, I'm wearing. I am wearing fall colors. Right. You look like a pumpkin that has been doing keto for a little while. But it got cool. So, but anyway, like we don't really. It's interesting because uh, we we kind of go from green to brown down here. Yeah, yeah. There's no in between. You know, it doesn't. We don't get orange Mm-mm. leaves, yellow. No, yeah. we sure don't. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, you'll get like a shade of brown that's not completely brown you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about we're like the greens kind of mixing with the brown a bit but we certainly don't get reds oranges yellows no No. way no 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 but the great thing is that uh uh, the weather's cooling off so anyway uh thanks everyone for listening in uh to the show locally here in kdn on klft which is awesome on the radio it is awesome or on the podcast also itunes spotify spotify you, do I you spot a fly? <laughs> uh, whatever. We need to swap that fly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing about your beard, though, I like oh, about fall, oh. is that it makes sense to me in the winter. Yeah. But not in the summer. Yeah. I'll trade that, though, because, I don't know, three years ago when COVID happened and I shaved my beard for the first time in a few years, it felt like a hurricane was on my face. Like, it felt, I could feel the draft and the wind. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do you people live with this? It is a thing. When you have a beard, the wind is not a factor on your face. It's just true. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Which I enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah. But you're right. The summer gets a little hot. Hmm. Yeah. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm welcome sure you, to... I'm sure you tuned in for this wonderful, inspiring yeah, conversation. Honestly, we have some pretty amazing saints we celebrate this week. Mm-hmm. Something we get to. Pretty cool reading. Uh, lots of great things happening. Um, but... Before we get that far, how about a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Um, you ever just keep doing the same thing that you shouldn't be doing over and over and over and it kind of builds up? Yep. Okay. That was a situation of, uh, I can't believe this happened, but because um, I, I wear contacts. You wear glasses now. Welcome to the club. But I wear contacts and uh, a woman... In, um, I can't tell where she's from because this article doesn't make that clear, but she recently got 23 contacts removed from her eye. One eye. 23 what? Contacts. Did they just kept getting stuck on one another? I mean, I don't know if... Like she kept putting them in? Yes. And she, her explanation is, I forgot one was already in there. Yes. Um, so I don't know if she has like a memory issue. Or like a uh, whatever. But she would pull... Because you get these boxes of contacts with lots of them in it, you know? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to wear one for like two weeks or one for a month, one pair, and then go to a next one. Right. Well, every day for 23 days straight, she forgot she had something already in her eye and she shoved 23 yeah, but, contacts 
Give it twenty. I wonder if it was in her like eye. lazing it. Like, like didn't we talk? It was in California a while back. The guy mm-hmm. who got like ninety something COVID shots. He was selling them. Yes, selling yes. the selling the um the, the cards, the vaccine cards. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like with this, I'm like wondering, like, like did she not like they got to stack up on, you know? One would think. I mean, I, they're not very thick, but I mean, twenty. I mean, that's that's got to be a good inch. <laughs> I don't know. But there's actually a picture of the doctor because it had to be surgically removed, and uh, there's a picture of these 23 contacts. <laughs> it's coming right out. Um, it is kind of shocking. Yeah. And uh, he said this certainly has never happened before. Um, and he gave great tips, the doctor, great tips about how to not get in this situation. <laughs> Which I don't know if you need much advice. To not put 23 contacts in your eye. But he did. He gave the advice. How about a slap across the face? Does that sound violent? <laughs> you know, like, do you ever, like, look at someone, you're like, just stop what you're doing. I had a meeting with a guy yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's probably my third, fourth, fifth, sixth uh, meeting. You know, like, he comes in, like, talks about life. And, you know, sort of like with these grit groups, you know, I'm doing these men's groups. But it's one-on-one. He comes in and... And uh, he's sort of replaying the same thing over and over. Right. You see, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you know, and look, for everyone that does not know me, I'm, I, I am very, try to be very pastoral and understanding and kind of talk through it and work through it. But it just seemed like a, a very grace-filled moment as he was replaying the record over and over. And when I'm talking about the same things that he keeps doing and mm-hmm. not changing. Yep. Okay. Yep. Like he's just putting a contact over a contact over a contact. Like yeah. the behavior is just like, and yet his desire is to not do that and to want to change, but he's just not. This is like coming in and replaying the record over and over. Yeah. And like in her case, it started to be uncomfortable. There started to be some pain and she didn't know what was going on. And turns out it was that she had 23 contacts in her eye, um, which once she realized that, like, of course that would hurt. But in the experience, and and I laugh because I'm in this experience all the time. When I start to feel the effects of a repeated behavior that I don't even know I'm doing or mm-hmm. I don't know what is wrong, like I, but I'm starting to feel the effects. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And then it takes someone, a good friend or a wife, a spouse, someone to say, oh, well, maybe it's because of that thing you're obviously doing. <laughs> you know? Right. I'm like, oh, man. Right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I looked at him and I was like, he's like, what do you think? I said, you know, I need to be real honest with you. You know, we've kind of talked about some change, some things, you know, we, but I need to be like 100% honest. Mm-hmm. And I said, you need to get your together. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he kind of just kind of got quiet. And he goes, I was like, I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I, I need to hear this. Like I, I need, like I need to snap out of this constant recycling what I keep doing, you mm-hmm. know? And, and that's what, like all of us need that. Like a, we need to snap out of sometimes these patterns of behavior or thoughts, internal, external, whatever it is, right? Um, like I said at the beginning of this year, like I started intentionally praying about the virtue of joy because internally I know like my thought process wasn't helping me with that. Right. 
I need something to snap me out of it. So I started doing some hard things to get to that, right? Like changing my behavior, changing my prayer patterns, changing the people I hung out with or talked to and, you know, going to more spiritual, like praying with some healing scriptures, things like that, you know, like pop Mm -hmm. me out of the recycling that's going on in my head. Mm -hmm. And it just popped him out, you know, and then he signed up for a great group, but, uh, Great. Yeah, like like hey, get on a path. Like start making some different choices on a different path, right? Mm-hmm. And change it. But it reminds me a lot of and with this contact issue, this woman's <laughs> of this the the gospel passage of Jesus healing the blind man mm-hmm. who he prays for him and the guy he's like, What do you see? And the guy's like, it's still blurry. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus prays for him a second time, twice. It's like the only time, like, you know, Jesus heals other blind people. And in this one specifically, he actually prays for him twice, which, which is me. It's like me over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is like, oh, you don't see clearly? Oh, I'm not going to just throw you aside. I actually want you to see clearly. Let's do this again. L- let's do the work inside that's keeping you. Jesus Prayer the first time for the guy didn't go south. Right. He didn't pray wrong. He's God. Like his prayer, his great, it worked. There was something in the guy that was causing still some blurriness in his sight. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're touching on an essential aspect of discipleship that maybe we don't think about is that Jesus is in my life to teach and heal me of things that I don't know or that I'm wounded in. Like, that's why he's in my life, right? So discipleship is the journey of that daily deeper healing, that daily deeper insight, that daily taking at least 14 contacts out of the 23 out of my eye. That's what Jesus wants to do in my life. And if I'm actually listening to him in prayer, if I'm actually following him closely in the way I live my life and in the vocation that I'm living, then every day is a moment like that. Like every day God takes away some of the blindness. And sometimes it's dramatic, you know, like when someone tells us we need to get our life together and we need to stop doing such and such, and we feel Jesus really telling us that day, you need to make a big change. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's not as dramatic, right? Like like from the guy who could see little blurry blobs to then see trees um, or then see people. And it's it's kind of gradual or it's, you know what I'm saying? Right. But it's still the same commitment. Right. Is the commitment to Jesus, whatever he asks of me, I'm going to do. And that's, that's essential for discipleship, because if I'm not willing to do that, if I'm not willing to be healed or listen to Jesus when he wants to heal me or teach me, then I'm just kind of playing around. I'm not really a disciple. Right. I think we can all relate to that passage, because, I mean, every one of us knows the tension in our life of times where we feel like things are blurry, mm-hmm. spiritually, emotionally, like, Physically, like, I'm just not seeing fully, clearly, right? Yeah. And, and that could be dealing with wounds or, or sins or patterns or, you know, suffering, pain. Like, it's just a little blurry. And we pray and we pray and we pray. And, I, and you remember this, the gospel last week, I believe it was, uh, or sometime this week, was the persistent widow mm-hmm. who's praying. You know, like over and over, just going back to the Lord. And and Jesus honored that, like talked about like persistence in prayer, right? Like, like just because we see blurry doesn't mean we quit, mm-hmm. you know? So 
Jesus' prayer gave the guy grace enough to begin to actually see a little bit. And that's where we start. The guy's like, yeah, I see trees, but they're blurry, right? Mm. I love that. Or people that look like trees. People that look like trees, yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's me a lot of my life. But that's okay, because that's a starting point. Yeah, you're seeing something now. You're starting to see something. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus is like, well, how about again? And the guy's like, okay. And I think that that's sort of the crossroads you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. we come to where people, myself included at times, is like, mm, I'm good with seeing kind of blurry. Mm-hmm. Let's not keep going. Right. The, I see Jesus enough. I see Jesus enough. I see people enough. Yeah. Trees I see enough, my life enough. It, but it's still blurry. And I just think like, are we okay with just seeing blurry? Yeah. Yeah, mostly we are. Otherwise, we would be begging Jesus today to change our sight. And uh, for a lot of us, that's not our prayer today, right? Like, that's not where we're at with him. But what if it was? And that's, I Mm -hmm. think, the challenge for us is like, what if we made an active decision by grace to say, you know, I want to do things differently. Like, I'm going to do some hard things to get me doing differently what I've always done so that I can now pursue Jesus and see clearly, right? Like, yeah. It doesn't, seeing clearly doesn't, it does require some work on our end. You know, grace oh, and, and nature work together. Like, I, I want to choose to see better, to see clearly. You know? Well, just because God is not a tyrant, you know, like, the devil is the ruler of hell, let's say, or the ruler of this world, as Jesus calls him, or, like, he's a ruler, he's a king, but he's a tyrant. So he, he doesn't rule by force love. He doesn't rule by choice. He doesn't rule by relationship. He rules because he's the most powerful. He's more powerful than the ones he's ruling. Like he's, he's lording it over them, as Jesus put it with the Gentiles. They lord it over each other. That's what the devil does. This is not God. God does not rule anything by force or violence, but by relationship, by love, by choice, right? And so this component we have of letting God more and more rule my life, mm. let him more and more be the Lord of my life, is part of the relationship of discipleship. And as soon as I say this and no further, God's mm. not going to push me beyond that, like what you were t- talking about. Mm-hmm. Grace builds on nature, and it doesn't do violence to nature. I mean, God's never going to turn me into a robot. I'm always going to be human with him. He's never going to turn me into a... Um, you know, what the devil does with demons and everything. He's never going to do that to me. He respects me too much. He loves me too much. He created me free. So the only limit to my relationship with God and grace is the one I set, not him. Mm. And um, that's the hard truth that we all have to live with. Like any limit to our relationship is on my end. Yeah, but here's the powerful truth. The adverse to that is that when we allow God to move in our life and like when we give him access to everything, our eyes, our heart, our mind, I want to see. I want to follow you. I want more. Mm-hmm. God doesn't hold back. That's right. Like he doesn't like ration his grace. And so imagine like this this imagery or or this movement in our heart of what what I would say like atomic grace. Atomic grace. Atomic grace. Like I just like that. just like let that like stir in you. What mm-hmm. is that? Like it's allowing grace to explode in our life, like to mm-hmm. 
like to to unleash, right? Mm-hmm. And when we make active decisions through grace to allow grace to move even more and give God access to everything in our life, atomic like grace begins to to unleash, overflow mm-hmm. because God doesn't ration His presence, His Spirit. He gives us access to everything. And that's what I'm finding out more and more in my own life. Trial and error through yeah. failure, <laughs> right? Yeah. That if I if I just do the hard things too to let grace just take over, then more grace shows up. That's right. Well, I think there's a logical reason for that. We we find the limits by bumping up against them. You know, so if I was gonna tell you, hey, you know, Paul, why don't you go see what the limits are of um I don't know, the city of Lafayette. Go find the edge of Lafayette. Like you'd have to actually go to the edge mm. and see the limit and then say, hey, I found it. The only way you and I find the limit of our charity, the limit of our love for God, is by rubbing up against it. And if, we, if we're living our life, you know, 20 steps from the limit, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to live a comfortable life where I'm not challenging my love for the Lord at all. Right. Then it's not going to, we're not going to push that limit further. We're not going to push it further. We're not going to let God in and do what he wants because the only way I can find out where I am limiting him is that I'm right on the edge of that. Hmm. He's, he's asking so much of me that I'm on the edge of what I think I can do. That's the life of a Christian. You're always on the edge of what you think is possible. <laughs> if I'm only doing what I know I can do well, what I know is possible, what I know will work out, I will never grow in my love for God. It's crazy. It's like on the other side of the edge is where we find freedom. Right. Like grace begins to like, like do like take that next step. Like, so what's the next step in your life? What's the next hard thing? What's the one thing you've been avoiding dealing with working on stepping forward in, and then boom, you do it. And like grace, grace gives you the ability to take the step. And then grace flows after you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. It's not like a one time. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, each morning, maybe you make a hard choice to wake up early to pray through grace and then grace flows from your prayer and more grace stacks upon grace. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Atomic grace, like exactly begins yeah. to like constantly begin to overflow and explode in your life. That's the Holy spirit. That's the beauty of it. You know, we talk a lot about saints on the show. We do because we're, we're we we're, love saints. We're intrigued by real people. Well, people that had they were living with that limit and always knocking it down. They had a way of letting atomic grace always knock down their fences. That's why we love them. Yeah, no, they were real people, lived real lives. Who at some point, by God's grace, made made real choices to allow grace to overcome their life. Right. Yeah, and. And and we look at their life and and we think, oh, real people. We can we can aspire to be like them, right? You know, in little ways. And and that's the beauty of it is they wanted to see clearly. Yeah, more than anything else. More than more anything than their else. comfort. More than what they thought they needed for their life. They just wanted to be Christian more than anything else. So the reality is like to take the imagery circle back around is we all have layers of contacts on our eyes and that <laughs> over the course of our life, Jesus pills. If we allow exactly, it, it about yeah. through, through the sacraments, right? Mm-hmm. Confession, Eucharist, sacraments of initiation, all the sacraments, just peeling those back through prayer, through choice, through allowing grace, peeling back until like we can see 
Clearly. I mean, that's the beauty of it. Well, yeah, not to beat the analogy to death, but I just think that what you just said was pretty profound in that you have a contact or you have glasses because your eye doesn't work, right? Yeah. And a lot of times we see our own inadequacies, we see our own pains, we see our hurts, and we, we devise ways of living our life to compensate, you know, like, oh, because I'm not good at that or because I can't do that or because I'm whatever, then we'll compensate this way and we'll get along just fine. And we might have 23 layers of that kind of thing, but God really wants to heal our eye. Like that's where he wants to be. He doesn't want to just be, you know, let me um, meet you in your inadequacies and in your sin and in your problems and just kind of work around it. God loves us so much that he wants to give us an eye that could see perfectly clear. And that's what the saints realize. It's not about, like my inadequacies are not in God's way. My layers that I've set up around them to keep God out of it is in the way, Hmm. right? Like my sins are not in God's way, actually. It's the layers I've set up between me and God to where I don't let him heal me of my sin. That's what's in the way. The 23 contacts are in the way, but I am not in, you know, you get what I'm saying? Yes. And this is what the saints realize and the holy people I've met realize is that I'm not focused on my own inadequacies or sins or problems because I know God's way bigger than that. I'm looking for God to heal me all the time, to get that eye clear all the time. And uh, that's just a beautiful way to live. I hope I can live like that one day, Paul. Mm. We got a lot out of that situation with this woman in California. Yeah, she gave us a lot. Thank you. We should send her a thank you note. Thank you for... You think she'll be able to read it? In being an idiot that you gave us a lot of content. So, okay, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based Health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. Paul George, Deacon Adam Cronk in studio. Show like 217. 17. Uh, which is a cool number. I like the number 17. Do you have any yeah. numbers when you hear them? You're like, I like that number. No. I, know, I know it sounds no. weird. I, I think... Um, I love odd numbers. Mm-hmm. So like the number 11 just mm-hmm. makes me feel good about myself. Well, it's a very unique name for a number if you think about it, like and 11. It's not like we have 111, 211, 311. There's only one number called 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and is pretty neat. That's true. So I really like that number. 17 yeah. kind of rolls off I, I like, for some reason. I like the like hundreds, you know, like 100, 1,000, like when it's really round and complete. Something about that, mm. you know, like a thousand things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a song called things. 10,000 Reasons. <gasps> 10,000 Reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Did you write that? No, not okay. even close. Okay. I wouldn't mind having the royalties for that. Yeah, it's it's been around. 10,000 times. <laughs> anyway, we do celebrate a... Um, man, what a lineup this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably 
a lineup. You know, we talk a lot about some some lineups during the week, but um, okay, let me just rattle off a few. Okay. 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 Uh, Saint Ignatius of Antioch. <sighs> Come on, that's strong. Okay. Uh, no big deal. The next day, Saint Luke, mm. an OG. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong or right? No, you're right. I mean, yeah. I, on his day, a couple days ago, I was just. For the first time in probably my life, I was just, I don't know why, I was thinking about him hard. Like, wow. I was just really impressed. I never really reflected on him enough, I think. Yeah. Just very impressed by him. Yeah, he's yeah, he's done some things. Done some things. Um, I'm going to skip a day because they're not important. It's <laughs> just St. Paul of the Cross. It's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to skip a day. And then I'm going to go to St. One you might know. Mm-hmm. John Paul II. Yes. Hmm. Big deal. Sort of a big deal. He is a big deal. W- one that many of us have seen, like in the flesh. Well, you have. You know, but you saw him, like, you were alive when he was alive. You I was. See, I'm saying like. Yeah. I haven't seen, my eyes mm. have not gazed upon him. There you go. But yeah, I was alive. I mean, he really, <sighs> he's such a big one. So I don't know if we're hitting him one by one, but some good Good stuff right there. Yeah, and there's also one that we end on Sunday, but maybe that's the beginning of next week. But mm-hmm. St. John Capistrano. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of him. but He's the guy with the soup, Capistrano soup? Um, I'm just kidding. That's not a thing. It, <laughs> Sounds like it would be a thing. It's, does it sound like soup? Well, there is a soup. Uh, wait, it is it, Capistrano? No. Yeah. There, there's an Italian soup that sounds just like that. It sounds like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they named the soup after him. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your claim to fame as a saint? They named a soup after me. You know? I, they're not going to name anything after me, I'll tell you that. Right. So to get a soup, I'd be thrilled, fired up. Mm. I'll take a bread roll. That's the conch bread roll. <laughs> to have a conch roll. <laughs> well, I mean, a conch is a shit. It's a fit. You That's eat it. true. I mean, it's already a food. You're right. Not a great one, but it's it's good. <laughs> You know, so speaking of food, St. Ignatius was food for the lions. Yeah. Is that how he died? Yep. St. Ignatius of not Loyola. This is Antioch. Right. He was, I mean, first century. Yeah. So St. Ignatius of Antioch died around 107. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Mm -hmm. And we, we have like history of him. Yeah. Yeah, he was Bishop of Antioch, succeeding, I think there was one between him and St. Peter, but St. Peter himself was the first Bishop of Antioch, and then I think there was another, and then St. Ignatius. I might be wrong of that. Hmm. But I mean, that's how connected to the apostles Ignatius was. He's original Ignatius. He's the OG Ignatius. Yeah. Yeah, he made it a holy name. He made it a holy name to where, like, Ignatius of Loyola mm-hmm. t- took his name as like, I want that, you know. Exactly. G- give me that name. Right. Well, of course, in this time of Eucharistic revival that the U.S. Church is talking about, um, he's, he's a, a witness, a martyr in a true sense of the Eucharist. He didn't die for his faith in the Eucharist necessarily, I mean his faith in the Lord, but he equated his death, especially the idea of the lions mashing him in their mouth, to the Eucharist and how he was going to be like the bread of life that's consumed by people, that he was ready to be consumed by the lions, and that his offering of his life, he wanted to make an imitation of Christ offering himself in the Eucharist. And um, 
this is literally since that happened, anyone who doesn't believe in the Eucharist. So you go to John chapter 6. Okay, yeah. You go to the Last Supper. Okay, now we're talking. And you also go to Ignatius, who just, you know, not many decades after Jesus gave us the Eucharist, he's dying professing faith in the Eucharist so much that the Eucharist is so important to him. And to him, to me, this makes the case that if you're a real Christian, the Eucharist matters to you. It's not just like a side thing. It's not like a devotion we have. I mean, he was equating his own death and martyrdom to the Eucharist itself. And this was happening decades after Jesus. Hmm. So you were correct. Ignatius bravely met the lions mm-hmm. in the Circus Maximus. Yeah. That sounds really kind of brave. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could do it. I, I could do it with you, I think. Like, if you were leading the way, like, all right, Paul, I trust you. Let's go. I but, mean, wouldn't it be better to die together? Like, we hear a lot about saints. It's probably and the com- only way I could do it, to be honest. And companions, which, yeah. you know, some of the ones I passed up this week, you know, when, when I was explaining the lineup this week was, you know, in, in jest. But we talk a lot about companions. So, yeah. saints. Isaac pl- pl- Jogue. And- Isaac Jogue. Mm-hmm. Jean de, de Brebeuf. Brebeuf and companions. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, wouldn't it be better to, like, die with someone doing something brave? Yeah. You know, this is what I talk about a lot, like, not only in life, like men and women, but, like, particularly as a with men is, like, none of us do anything really good or great alone, mm-hmm. right? Like, we don't become better on our own, right? Like, we just don't. Like, we need help. Like, if you remember the Old Testament reading from this past Sunday, mm-hmm. um, how do you like me paying attention to the readings? <laughs> about time. <Is> that, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm impressed myself. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I remembered. <laughs> I saw it on your face. Like, you were like, wait, Paul remembered the readings. <clears throat> okay? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I remembered. That's good. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Part of it was <laughs> our little one was sick. Uh-huh. So Gretchen went to Mass, and I stayed home, and then I went to Mass. So... Oh, yeah. When I do go to Sunday Mass, particularly if I get to go by myself, like, yeah. love it in a sense of I am, I'm locked in, just well, paying attention. Well, a little side note on like parents with kids that is related to what you're talking about. But I remember a long time ago when we first had small kids, my wife was talking to a saintly old priest who's now passed, who's her spiritual director, feeling kind of uh, the weight of not being able to pay, pay attention, particularly to the readings and the homily, because mm-hmm. she's fighting with kids the whole time or just tending to them, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So he said, well, your attention is God's gift to you. Mm-hmm. And he will sometimes give you the gift of being able to pay attention, and mm-hmm. sometimes he won't. Mm-hmm. So be grateful when you can. But that's his gift to you. Yeah. Your intention is your gift to him. That you come wanting to give everything to him at Mass, mm. but you can't confuse the two. I like that. So um, that stuck with her. It stuck with me. But yeah. like in your case, God gave you the gift of this Holy Mass. You can pay attention, which yeah. is awesome. And I'll tell couples, and people may disagree with me. You know, it's, it's certainly not a dog, dogmatic statement, but more mm-hmm. of a practical pastoral statement. Couples, especially with a lot of young kids, they're just worn out at Mass and stuff. And I said, you know, it's okay every now and then to give each other the gift of going to mass oh, without yeah. the family. Like you want to yeah. like model going with the family, but every now and then that's what we would do is like, Hey, why don't you go to Matt and like, just get to go mm-hmm. and I'll stay home and then we'll switch. Like, I'm not going to not go to Matt. Like, and 
I'll go later in the afternoon. That's a beautiful thing about being Catholic. Mm -hmm. And when we'd give that gift to each other, it was like, man, it was like refreshing to be able to just to reconnect with the mass and not be distracted and, you know, yeah. feeling like you're working the whole time, basically watching kids and stuff. So don't be afraid to, to be intentional about that. But anyway, as I was paying attention to the readings this past <laughs> Sunday, what really struck me was the reading where Moses, they were, they were facing the battle of the, the, the Amaleks, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Joshua was, you know, he sent Joshua to fight, but Moses had to hold his arms up and God would like, you know, basically fight the battle for him. His arms were getting so tired that he needed, you know, Aaron and companions, right? Mm-hmm. To hold up his arms. Are That's you impressed right. that I'm remembering all this? I'm well, not, I'm not surprised. I'm not reading it all, by the way. I'm just like <laughs> recollect. And the image of me, I guess because it's been such on my heart when, as I've been talking a lot with guys, writing this book, doing these men's groups, is we can't do it alone. Like we need people to hold up our arms, hold up each other's arms. Like Moses could not fight that battle alone. Like even, yeah. even with God fighting for like he needed other men to do the things with him. Yeah, I mean, Moses himself, like, as a person, as great of a leader he is, um, always needed help. I mean, remember when God first called him, Moses was like, I'm a stutterer. Like, I can't talk. I can't convince people. He said, right. okay, well, Aaron, your brother, who's great at that, he'll go with you, right? So as he's making his excuses of why he can't do what God wanted to do, God answered those with community. He answered those with people that can help him in his ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, and that God himself would help him. He said, look, I'll go with you, and I will do this, and I will do that. And um, this is the nature of what it means to be great mm. as, a, as a Christian, is that I depend on everyone's help. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what greatness is. Yeah, we, we're not good at relationships or community. We got to be more intentional about it. I'm trying to be in my own life, trying to invite men to do that, married couples, things like that. You mm -hmm. and I talk about this all the time, but with saints, like they model for us, yep. you know, you hear stories about John Paul II, who we celebrate, who was really good friends with Mother Teresa. Yep. Like other saints help make other saints. You hear about brothers and sisters, religious order, you know, people who, who live together, you know, mm -hmm. you, so, you hear about Francis and Claire, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm making stuff up, right? No, this is yeah, all yeah, right. It's all reckless. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, like, like. They multiply, we multiply saints by like being in relationship with each other. Like we, that's where we become better, holier, you know, mm -hmm. uh, move forward. Um, that's why when you see like a husband and wife on the same page, like their marriage thriving, like they're, they're, they're linked, you know, yeah. they're, they're in community together. And then, and then you're linking arms with other people. Very imperfect, but like, like you were saying, like, dying by the hands of a lion alone it's horrible but you're like if you were with me you'd be like man this would be much better we'll get eaten together yeah right yeah i need you to lead the way yeah and inspire me but i'm right there with you <laughs> yeah there's actually a true story i was reading that happened this week where two guys were hiking i, I don't know if it was in like wyoming or <clears throat> it was it was around there like wyoming they got attacked by a bear one of the guys got attacked by a bear Wow. And they're wrestlers. They were on the local college wrestling team. Did they wrestle the bear? So the other guy hopped in and started wrestling the bear. Like, we're talking about like thousands of pound grizzly bear. Like A grizzly they bear? Could, they could die. Yeah, those, those are the ones that attack you, man. Oh, my goodness. They survived, but like not without like massive scars. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. So, so the guy, like, honestly could have just said, like, I get, I'm, that's not my battle to fight, like, if I jump into that. Yeah, that's an old joke, right? You, know, you don't have to be faster than a bear, just faster than the person next to you. Like, he could have done that. He could have just mm-hmm. taken off. Mm-hmm. You know, called, you know, let you know, try to go get someone. But, look, you know, within seconds, the bears, you know. He wrestled a bear. They wrestled a bear. A grizzly bear. Yeah, yeah. And they survived. But, like, oh you, if you look at him, you're like, man, you got run over. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But they didn't, you know, not alone. Like, there's something very powerful about that imagery, you know, and saints who have met their martyrdom or faced death or lived their life, none of them that you really read about were isolated. I mean, we hear about some, like, mystics who, like, you know, lived on, like, a pole. But even then, God provides community because um, I think of the great people I've met in my life where... I mean, you'll hear people that are entrusted with a lot talk about how lonely it can be or like how alone you can feel when you have the weight of the world or the weight of your community on you. But I also hear them talk about the great leaders, even ones that are dead, that they look up to, that they read about, that they get inspired by. And in the Catholic world, um, these great saints that really loved other great saints. And I think that is part of the gift. I, th- I think of like Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was one of these great leaders that really, no one really understood her. Like she wasn't around other saints in her life too much. So God literally gave her visions of saints hmm. often. That's, that's interesting. Can you yeah. imagine the, um, the encouragement you would get? St. Catherine of Siena appearing to you and encouraging you in what you're doing. But she needed that because she was so isolated at the time. Now she was around a lot of people, but she was leading them all a very unique way. Point being, even those of us that are called to a vocation where it's kind of isolating, God provides community. And these communion of saints are, is very important. But for you and me that are not Joan of Arc, <laughs> it's mostly you and me that God has given. You know, um, Yes, I have the saints. I have the heavenly court to be in relationship with. But I also need, because I'm weak and not heroic like Joan of Arc, I need men around me. I need women around me um, that will make me better and make me holier. I Um, need that. I need that. Absolutely. So if we're in a martyr situation, I'm going to call you up. Okay. All right. Yeah. Can can I be, like, if, if it's going down, can we hang out at that moment? Well, as long as, like, for me... Like, as long as it it can be um, in the circus maximus. Okay. Yeah. Like you that that's that, the vibe. You does want. that mean big circus maximus? Circus. Yeah, the maximum circus, the biggest one. Yeah. Like we can go into that's the, the vibe you want arena together. Okay. Yeah. Fight to our death. Okay. <laughs> Eaten by lions and bears. That's your choice. I don't know. All right. And everyone watches. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe I'll call another friend. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what would you rather, man? Something less brave. <clears throat> You're right. I I I would rather more comfort. So thank you for calling me out of that. Okay. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are sixty percent less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith. 
saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in KLFT radio or on the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google play, wherever it may be. Wherever. Wherever. Yeah. Hey, did you know that, uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. set their podcast pace to be faster than normal? Did you know that? I didn't. So yeah, on, um, most I'm- platforms, but let's say Apple podcasts or whatever, there's a little button where you could change the speed. So it's default like normal, but you can go faster and faster and faster. Okay. Up to two times as fast. And and what is the point? Because I'm not an expert. I think it's to save time. Like if you want to listen to, let's say, a 40-minute podcast in 20 minutes, you just do two times speed. Okay. Which I'm not into. I tried it because when I heard about it, and it's like too fast. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. But they also have a half-speed option. And I tried that with my son yesterday. And we laughed so hard. What what made y'all laugh? If you do the half-speed option, like if you're listening right now and you're on a podcast, just I gave you full permission. Change it to half-speed right now. Then everything that follows, they sound very intoxicated. Okay. And it is pretty funny. Hmm. We laughed so hard. That sounds like a fun outing with yeah. your son. Yeah. So if, if you did that, if you're doing that right now to the podcast, let us know about it, how funny your experience is. Because it is like it's something. Okay. It's a thing. All right. So I'm looking at this bear attack. <laughs> oh, my word. This is happening. You could look in online. Like these two two kids are wrestlers at uh, um, in Wyoming at... Um, Northwest College in Powell, Wyoming, were mauled by grizzly bears uh, Saturday while antler hunting. So they were out hunting. Welcome back. So I've heard that from the time you see a bear to the time it attacks you is three seconds. Okay. Okay. Which, if when you read the article, he said they're walking back to the vehicle. He saw bear tracks, and he started just to like point to his friend. He's like, look, bear tracks. He heard something in the trees, turned around, and the bear had him. Oh, my word. So like within like, seconds you know these things like move yeah oh my word he says it started chomping on me pretty good <laughs> pretty Got good on my left arm shaking me around broke my left arm oh my goodness um the other tried to get the bear's attention by yelling and throwing things at it when when that didn't work he jumped down and grabbed the bear and yanked it off me then the bear came after that guy uh the bear tackled me chewed me up a bit Shoot me, me up, up a, bit. a bit. Dang. This reminds me of... It's like Ignatius. Ignatius, yeah, yeah. Of Antioch. Wow. You know, just chew, getting chewed up. These these kids look look worn out. I bet. You know, like you've ever like a like an old stuffed animal your kid just had drug around for oh, years yeah. and years. You just like, limbs are falling off. Yeah. It's just dirty, unrecognizable. Yeah, these kids just got torn around. Wow. Yeah. The bear wandered off, and, and Cummings yelled at Lowry, according, and, but before he heard it, 
respond. The bear came back for round two, this time biting Cummings on the head and cheek. I mean, just, you know, he ran up the mountain to call 111 because they didn't have service. I mean, this thing was just going at it. Um, Yeah. That is intense. Um, They walked about a mile before they were picked up by farmers. So anyway. Kind of makes me not want to go hunting in Wyoming. So it says, look, here's the thing. And this ties in. It says, we became best friends going to hell and back with each other, seeing someone sweat and bleed. Uh, You aren't going to leave, leave a brother behind. Wow. Yeah. This is like, you know, Moses and Aaron, we're talking about in the Old Testament, you know, and Joshua all, you know, in it to win it. In it to win it, yeah. I mean, that well, that experience of um, accomplishing something huge with another man, mm-hmm. um, when do we really get to experience that, typically in society? Like, yeah, I, don't, I this, guess in business, if you have a partner... It's pretty much it. Like, I think just doing life with people and like, yeah, just like we have to go out our way to have that experience. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not just going to happen. Doing hard things together. Mm-hmm. Okay, give me one. You have to choose one. Okay. Of your best memories of John Paul II, you know, that we celebrate this week, and and I'll give you mine. Um, if you want me to go first, I will. But mine's going to be interesting to you because I actually met him. Yeah, you did. And that's that's not going to be my top memory. Hmm. Interesting, right? That is interesting. Yeah. And I've read just about all of his books. Not, I mean, some were like, I haven't, because he wrote a lot. Right. I would say the homily that he gave to young people in Australia. I'm trying to remember the year. Hmm. He was there for something. And he spoke to them so beautifully and succinctly about Jesus that it, it kind of became the standard in my mind of how to talk to people about Jesus. Hmm. But it's that famous speech where he says, you know, the beauty with which you seek that thing you're looking for in your life to give meaning and purpose. Um, I'm not doing it justice, okay? But that's Jesus. And he wants nothing from you. He wants to give you everything. And so open wide the doors of your heart to him. Um, I would say that would be my number one thing that stuck in me about him. Like when I think about John Paul II, I think about, how much he loves Jesus, but also the way he explains that to people. Hmm. And that moment kind of captures that. That was a beautiful speech. You can look it up. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of his homilies from World Youth Day, Australia. I guess so, yeah. I can't remember the year. Okay, so I did meet him at World Youth Day in 1993. In the big Denver. Yeah, but that's not my greatest memory. Hmm. Like my, I think my greatest imagery and memory is watching him grow old mm-hmm. with Parkinson's and how he dealt with suffering. It, you could see sainthood on him, you know, mm-hmm. like you could see him clinging to Christ in like the everyday in the moment. And, um, <clears throat> you know, nothing, nothing like against like 
Benedict for retiring. Like, I can't say, like, I wouldn't do the same. But John Paul II, like, just embraced the papacy till death. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have, like, retired before that as he got sick and got Parkinson's. And just watching him as the vicar of Christ, the world got to watch a saint die. It was really interesting. That's yeah. like my greatest imagery of it because it, it made him so human and yet so holy at the same time. Well, and again, not to compare or contrast, but considering Pope Benedict XVI, who's still living, who's spent more time after resigning the papacy than he'd spent in it now. <laughs> He's been retired more than he was in it. Is it? Yeah. I haven't done the math. Yeah, I think this year that happened. Really? Um, eight years of Pope and now more than eight years resigned and look look no judgment i mean no like judgment. i was our president of a non-profit for eight years and i was worn out oh yeah okay so like that's no judgment compared to like taking on the worry of the church around the world right you know however he is ill um there was some some message a couple of weeks ago actually about his declining health and how he's preparing i mean he's 94 yeah right he's yeah, up I there mean, Look, statistically, he doesn't have a l- right. lot longer left. But like one day we're going to wake up and a headline's going to be that Pope Benedict XVI has, has died. And it's going to be sad, right? But for the past eight years or nine years now, um, our attention has not been on him nearly as much as it's been on Pope Francis. Correct. For, for good reasons, right? He's the Pope. Pope Francis is the Pope. And so I'm just thinking about what you're saying. It's so true because if he had resigned or or something like that, uh, John Paul II, the world would not have noticed his death and his suffering the same way at all. You know, We, we saw it because he was the Pope. Hmm. And um, Pope Benedict XVI, also a holy man, saintly man, <clears throat> also suffering, also at the end of his life, but we don't get to see it nearly as close up because the world is paying attention to Pope Francis. So, um, and I think I think in in his own holiness, Benedict, Pope Benedict has gotten out of the spotlight and has embraced being hidden. And, right, exactly. Know, other than the pictures of him like sipping on a big, you know, German <laughs> beer, that's like my image. Which are awesome. That's like my image of Pope Benedict. That's the life he's living right now. You know, like writing some great theology book right. while while sipping a, you know, a lager. Well, and I'm sure he didn't expect to live this long either. <laughs> you know, like reading, writing, drinking beer, and praying. Like that was his, that's how he wanted to spend his last few months, year, maybe. But now he's had like nine years of that. How awesome for maybe, him. Maybe the logger is the trick. <sighs> Could be. You know? What's in that logger? What's in the logger? But um, you're right. The world got to see someone die. And the way Providence works is in lives of saints they're really more for later years than they were for their lifetime. What mm-hmm. I mean by that is, you know, we're talking about St. Ignatius of Antioch. Mm-hmm. 2,000 years have benefited from him. Right. There were only a few hundred that benefited when he was alive. There's only, there wasn't that many people that knew who he was, right? right? Yeah. But for 2,000 years, Christians have benefited, millions have benefited. Um, same thing with John Paul II. His witness of death in particular was very important at the time, for sure. In fact, the whole world saw it. But imagine the millions, you know, until Jesus comes back again, the millions of people that are going to benefit from that witness as long as we're telling that story. Mm. This is one of the reasons we canonize saints is that we need to keep telling the story of John Paul II, like the one you just gave, the storytelling of it, Mm -hmm. so important. 
because otherwise we'll just forget. Hmm. But he needs to impact lives until Jesus comes back again. He's got his own chapter in my book. I don't know if that means You're telling anything. the story. That's awesome. You know. His story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. So, Jay, I didn't know that because I've heard different saints get in a chapter, but, but he's got one. Yeah. Originally, mm-hmm. I was going to combine in the last chapter uh, the chapter about finishing the race of life, you know, uh, with Christ. Uh, I was going to combine St. Paul and John Paul II. Mm. So I've always felt like those two Pauls were very united in their evangelism. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right? Yeah. Like they're just both tremendous evangelists yeah. for Christ. Um, and as I was writing the book and praying and whatever, I was like, no, I'm splitting them, separating those two, giving them their own chapters. Mm-hmm. So St. Paul and John Paul each got their own chapter. I'm glad you did that. Hmm. It are was you, hard. Are you glad you did that? Yeah, yeah, because they, they, I owed it to them. Mm-hmm. But they owed it to us, like what their lives spoke about. So the chapters are each led to a different path that, you know, and direction, but I'm excited about it. But anyway, it helped me relive this, their stories. And, and that was the one thing, you know, I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but in writing the book, the book transformed me more than anything, not because I wrote it, but because of what I experienced by reliving the lives of the saints I wrote about. Right. So I picked 10 male saints, talked about holiness and grittiness, but it was so much of me like learning about their lives and then trying to write about their life and our life, like, you know, meshing those things together. And just reliving their story was just like really impactful for me yeah you know absolutely well and these great men john paul ii you literally met him like he's lived in our lifetime um so to me it makes the call for jesus just much from jesus to holiness just much louder because mm. like it's not a distant call that was a few hundred years ago he called people to be holy but like today christ is calling people to be heroic saints mm. And when I see that call being lived out in John Paul II, he's so close to me, you know, in time. Right. It gets louder. Yeah, I mean, you're reminded of him because the school that you— I think about him often, yeah. Run is, is named <laughs> after him. But Yeah, and we imitate him and emulate yeah. him and, uh, and the formation we offer. So I'm constantly thinking about John Paul II these days, which I love because the more I do— the more I realize what a gift he is. To I mean, church. are we going to wait till Benedict dies? Because I could see a school named the Catholic Classical School of Benedict. <laughs> well, there is a. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, there are a few institutes named after him, like right. academic. I, I mean, like a high school, Benedict the Sixteenth High School. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could see it. The Catholic School of Benedict the Sixteenth. It just sounds good. Yeah, you going to start it? The Crusaders. What would you call them? The uh, uh, the the uh, loggers. The loggers. That's a good one. The Circus Maximus. <laughs> anyway. The theologians. <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. The scholars. Yeah, the mascot would be like a dude with a beard and smoking a pipe. I mean, you can name it the scholars. The scholars. Anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a college, a junior college in Arizona. Their mascot is the artichokes. <laughs> I mean, so if you could do artichokes, right? You serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. The fighting artichokes. 
fighting artichokes. I mean, they'll come at you, man. Like a grizzly bear. Yeah, like a grizzly bear. So, well, great show. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Feel free to share the show on the podcast and um, continue to listen. Um, if you want to know anything about what we're doing, just go to paulgeorge.la, and we have all the information. So, hope you have a good week, and we'll be back next time. God bless you.